25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And contrary to popular belief, we still haven't been re-signed by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Everybody else has, except for you, me, and Patrick Line. So how are you doing tonight, Laura? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I uh, Today was a weird, like, as everybody knows, we record on Mondays. And today was, like, maybe the most Monday Monday that I've had in a really long time where, like, working in, and you can attest to this, like, working in higher ed during the summer is like equal parts stressful and like boring as hell. Like it is like both at the same time. And we, when we worked together in res or in, you know, higher ed, we worked in residence life. So that's a stressful time. Cause you're trying to like get everything ready for the fall. But man, I have like projects that I'm working on, but I don't have like, I don't see students. I don't do anything that like is actually like part of the reason why I love my job. And so yeah. A lot of folks doing the whole vacation thing, that kind of deal. Our office is dead. Like, there is, like, nobody there. Um, and I love the people who are there, and we have a great time, and we kiki, but it is so dull in that office right now because there's just, like, no life. So I need people back. I'm going to regret that. Hold me to it in August when I'm like, I want everybody to go home. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you usually feel at some point in the summer – man, I really want the students to be back and I want blah, blah, blah. And then August happens and you're like, why? Why did I want this? This is terrible. Yeah, it's like, I think I think we all do that with our work though, right? Like when something is like, you know, stressful or difficult, we're always like, oh my God, I want it to be done. But then like there are pieces of that stress and the difficulty that is like why you actually do the job. <laughs> it's like, I'm just... And you know me, and I think by now everybody who's listening to this knows me. I am very, I'm very much an extrovert, which I think people are confused by what extrovert and introvert means. So my roundup is if you get energy from being around people, you're an extrovert. If you lose energy from being around people, you're an introvert. And so since there's nobody around, I'm getting no energy. I have no energy. <laughs> like, so the caffeine intake is up and my social intake is down. And I'm very sad about it. Well, it will be here before you know it. So I know, and I I need to calm down. I need to stop counting down the days. But uh, you all didn't come here to talk about, you know, my work stressors. You're not here for that, are you? If you are, I could probably start an, a spinoff, to be honest. Would you all listen to a spinoff of our show? <laughs> like, I'm wondering, listeners, I know you can't say anything. Like, I know you're talking in your car right now. You're talking at your office. You're like, yes, no. But... I do actually wonder, Laura and I have talked about it. We're like, how funny would it be like if we just like hit record on something, didn't talk about anything hockey, we weren't allowed to, and just recorded it for 15 minutes. Just Mini to see I'm afraid of it. I think we should be. Agreed. <laughs> but anyway, the Blue Jackets are doing things as per usual in a, in a week when we don't expect for them to do much. They've resigned a couple of players. Um, which is really actually three. They resigned three players, I think, since we last recorded. Is that right? Is it three? I think so. 
I know, I know too, but maybe you'll, maybe you, you know the third one. I can't wait. Okay. So let's, let me say the two that I think, you know, uh-huh. Daniil Tarasov. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> okay. never mind. Um, so Brendan Gonson, Liam Foody, the two that you had on your radar, yes. but then yeah, Daniil Tarasov also being um, re-signed to a contract extension. So uh, Daniil Tarasov is a three-year contract extension. Liam Foody is a two-year, and so is Brendan Gons. Now, what's interesting is, and I think that this is like a moment where like we get to do some educating. Like I love educating. I love teaching. Um, I think people think that one-way or two-way means that like they have to be in Columbus or they have to be in Cleveland, which isn't necessarily true. So obviously um, Daniil Tarasov signed – uh, a completely one-way deal. So, like, there was some speculation about, like, maybe this first year would be a two-way and then the next couple of years would be um, a one-way deal with the main club. But uh, the whole thing is a one-way deal. But what that means is that he's just going to be paid a one, like, an NHL salary regardless of where he's playing. So whether he's playing in Columbus or in Cleveland, which is probably what he'll be doing, he'll probably be the starter in Cleveland, um, he'll still be making NHL money. So that's appealing to the player, that's a great benefit to signing a contract and that's part of the negotiation. Right. And then uh, Liam Foody is in a similar position uh, ish. Uh, his first year is a two way deal. So if he's playing in Cleveland, which I think based on that structure of a contract, I'm going to say that I think they think he probably will start the season there. Could be wrong. Um, he'll make Cleveland money there. And if he's called up, then I'll make an NHL salary. But then in the second year, it's a one-way deal. So either that tells me that the team thinks he's going to be NHL ready in a year or that he's just like going to make NHL money in the second year of the contract, which I think I'm totally okay with. Um, can you believe that Liam Foody's only played 27 NHL games? Um, no, because I feel like we've been talking about him for way longer right. than that. Because, I, but... I mean, I, did he make his debut in the bubble? Was that where he made his debut? maybe okay I'll, I'll look it up while i'm talking i the thing about him though is like obviously like playoff games don't count in this number but like he's just like obviously got injured he would have been called up a lot more last year i think had he not been injured um but obviously mm -hmm. about like 30 40 games in he his had a season ending injury and so he obviously couldn't be called up when people like brendan Goss were getting called up or carson meyer but i those spots were for foodie for sure. I think, but it, I think it's exciting. Like, I think a lot of people think of Liam foodie is like, they kind of forget about Liam foodie and I can understand that, but I, I could see him like in a perfect scenario being a, a really good middle six forward for this team. I hope. Yeah. And I mean, I think that was Yarmo's intention too. Um, it's just been kind of a slow go due to COVID and, his injuries obviously and like just the structure and what the main club has been going through like you know so i think it's just it's a perfect storm of like awkward circumstances when it comes to liam foodie so hopefully as things start to like settle in and like we have more of a structure and more of a not so many question marks over players liam foodie can find his way into and he's still so young. Like, he's still so young. And, yeah. you know, getting as much experience in Cleveland as he can will be beneficial when he does hopefully come up to Columbus for, you know, full time or, 
you know, at least be a consistent call up. So. Exactly. And I, you know what I love about us, Laura, as a show? Hmm. We're really not afraid to admit when we're wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Um, Liam Foodie made his debut against the Lightning, um, but did so in February of 2020 on an emergency basis. And then he scored, he got an assist on a Boone Jenner goal for his first NHL point on February 13th against the Sabres of 2020. Uh, he did score in the bubble. That's probably where my mind was. He scored his first NHL goal in game five of the qualifying round against Toronto, the three, nothing victory. So uh, that's the Liam Foodie moment. But I think like, because of that, like Liam Foodie doesn't have like a regular season NHL goal. Yeah. And that goal was scored about two years ago. Like, so it's like, I think for me, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like he hasn't even really played much since then for the jackets. So that'll be exciting. Uh, and another player that I think is exciting for different reasons is Brendan Gauntz, who is going to be a player who is a really pivotal player, I think, in Cleveland. Like, I think that he is going to be that, like, fringe NHL, AHLer that contributes quite a bit to the team down in Cleveland. And I think he'll be among one of the first folks that's called up if there's an injury or, you know, whatever have you with the roster. He's mm -hmm. somebody that has shown he's reliable on the NHL roster. He had a pretty decent season with the Jackets, we talked about it a little bit a few episodes ago, but maybe we didn't. Brendan Gauntz has just been good. I can't remember if we covered Gauntz or not. We did. Yeah, he was great. You all know that because you listened. I did, <laughs> yes, obviously. you listened. I obviously didn't listen. Um, But all that to say, that one is a two-year, two-way deal. So that one is, you know, if he's in the AHL, he's going to make AHL money. And if he's in the NHL, he'll make NHL money. I... The other piece of this is always confusing, and I'm going to be honest, like, I don't know if I always have a grasp on this, is, like, mm -hmm. the contract status, like, whether it's a one-way contract or a two-way contract, doesn't necessarily mean that the player is waiver eligible. So Correct. what that means is that if Daniel Tarasov is sent down, even though he's on a one-way deal, he still hasn't become, like, waiver exempt. So, like, he could not be claimed by a team if he is brought to Columbus on like if say like Corpy or or Elvis gets hurt what have you like if he comes up to back up one of them it's not going to like affect it when he comes back down um now Brennan Gauntz on the other hand he's got a two-way contract but if he goes back and forth he's got to go on waivers because he's played enough NHL games I even think that Liam Foodie might be there like I don't know if he's there quite yet having played 27 NHL games I don't know exactly what that is but all the complexities of being a hockey fan. Nothing makes sense, and yet somehow it all makes sense. Yep, pretty much. That's how I feel about most things in life, if I'm being entirely honest. Um, other news and notes. Apparently, contract negotiations with Patrick Line, because, you know, the player that everybody comments announced Line after a signing. Apparently, things haven't gone very well, um, or not very far. Things are going fine. Things are fine. Let me retrack or backtrack. Um, but things are not progressing very much at this point. Are you concerned about that? Do you have any worries? No, I think if we get to like the end of July and we haven't done anything um, or heard anything, I think I'll be more concerned. Sure. But I think right now, like, yeah, I'm just I'm not I'm not ready to be like nervous about it because I I trust Yarmo and I know that he 
and his team are working and that both sides just want to come to the best deal. And that can be like, I don't even like splitting hairs with millions of dollars. is like such a foreign concept to me because I am poor always. So, yeah. and I will never make that kind of money. Like, so, but you know, when you are working with that kind of money and you know, some pretty prime years of someone's career more than likely. Mm-hmm. Like you want to make sure it's working out the best way for both sides. So I still feel positive that we're going to come to something and, you know, maybe we'll see it before the draft or how exciting would it be if they announced it at the draft? And I would be sad if they did not But uh, the one thing that I'm not sad about, is uh, how many goals are being scored in the Stanley Cup final? What is going on? Uh, because as we're recording this, uh, Colorado just lost 6-2 to two to Tampa Bay. And so now, 2-1 um, series, Tampa Bay finds a way to get one. Um, but, man, these, there are a lot of goals. This playoffs has had so many goals. Well, I, I don't think we should necessarily be super surprised that Tampa – bit back I think when you get shut out seven nothing in a Stanley Cup final game that's pretty embarrassing um and especially when you're coming back to play in front of your fans you would hope that they could pull it together but I mean they lost so big the other night like so big did they lose it was really rough. And I don't know for the folks who watched it, man, it was just like a clinic. Like it was like everything that you don't want to happen happening. And I definitely not an enviable, enviable position to be in. I feel (laughs) because I hated every second of that for Tampa fans. And I am actually quite the opposite of one of those. So um, all I could think about the entire time it was happening was this sound. It was this one right here. That's how I felt about that game, game two, uh, which there was a certain allure to watching that game in a camper uh, that made it feel even more like a, like a real whooping. But uh, yeah, the two one, do you think the avalanche are going to do it? Like by the time, by the time we record another episode, like the, the season might be over. I guess maybe that's a better question. Will it? Will they have gone to game five by then? I think so. I mean, they go every other night now. So they'll play on Thursday, then they'll play on Saturday, then they'll play on Monday again. If So game six would be when we record. Oh. Um, um. So I don't know. I wonder. Oh, also, I'm really dumb. Today's Monday as we're recording. So it'd be Wednesday. Yeah. Friday, Sunday. So they'll have played through game six by the time we record next time. Do you think this one's going to go seven? It's basically the question. Oh, God, I hope not. Um, you say that now. The way you just said that, you know, now the Lightning are winning in six. Now that you've said that and say that you hope the series doesn't go seven, the Lightning are going to win in six. Why? No, that's not what I said. It's just I the just energy want the abs to win. It's the energy like, that you produce. No, it's the energy you produce. <laughs> I just love chaos. I just love you chaos. You do, and I hate chaos. Fair. That is fair. Being best friends with me is a choice that you made. 
It is. Chaos. But, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And that's very kind. You're like, I would change your chaos level. Um, <laughs> I uh, do you ever rec- like as we're recording mid episode realize that you've said the word um 473,000 times in the intro because that's kind of where I'm at right now. Anywho, yeah. <laughs> this last weekend, obviously, Father's Day, Columbus Pride Festival. So shout out to everybody who is at Pride, also Juneteenth on the 19th. So just a lot of celebrating in the city of Columbus for a lot of really amazing communities that deeply affect, um, are deeply affected, I should say, by like the culture of hockey and things like that. So it was really cool um, to see to see some involvement. I will continue to say this though. Like I always think about Braden Holtby whenever I see teams participating in pride festivals, because it is almost always, I mean, especially in Columbus, it's stinger. And it's just like the marketing team and the interns, it seems like. Yeah. That that are in the parade. And I always just in my heart of hearts, I'm like, I just one player, just one, just like, I, I would love to see one player go out and be visible and be seen. I as- feel like if Elvis wouldn't, wasn't on vacation, he would have participated. Cause I he's, want posted, to- he's posted yeah. things before about being an ally. Yeah. I, he's somebody, I mean, like, I, I think like there are a lot of, a lot of guys on this team that probably would if they were around. I think it's just the timing that makes it difficult, but I would love for the ask to be put out to one player to be like, Hey, like, do you think that maybe you could be in Columbus this weekend to just like do this? Uh, well, and there's, I mean, there's quite a few that, and by quite a few, I mean like a decent handful that do stay in Columbus during the summer. Like Gus was here or, I mean, unless he was on vacation, Gus was just here a week and a half ago because he helped build the playground. Like, and Elvis is here full time. He just happened to be on vacation. So, having the there time are of people. Life. What? I said, having the time of his freaking life. Truly, I've never seen someone so excited to go to an aquarium. I mean, like, my God. I love that it, man could not have been happier. I don't blame him. I Aquariums are a wonderful, wonderful thing. I actually am going to be in Baltimore this weekend and might actually have interest in going to an aquarium. So that'll be exciting. That Stay tuned. Magical. For all the aquarium stories that I'll bring to you. But enough about all those things. We know why you're here. It might not be for this, but we're going to say it is. <laughs> And it's for our continuation of our player reviews. We need a jingle. I It's too late now. This is our second to last episode on the player reviews. Mm-hmm. And so it's probably too late to come up with a jingle and figure that out. But <laughs> I would love one for next year. So let's put that on the list. Are you The goals list that you have, put it down for like 2023 goals. Gotcha. And if anyone who's listening writes jingles, hit us up. Yeah, you know where to find us. You know where to find us. But, uh, oh, that just totally reminds me. I had a merch idea that I need to tell you about. I just need to say that out loud because as we've talked about on the show, very neurodivergent, very ADHD. If I don't say it now, I won't remember. So hold me accountable to that. But anyway, we have six players to talk about today. 
And you know and love them all. I think you might at least, uh, because I know you'll love the first one. We're talking about Father's Day. We have to talk about none other than Dadislav Gavrikov, Vlad himself, number 44. <laughs> Laura, talk to us about the season that Vlad had. Yes. So number 44, Vladislav Gavrikov. He's 26 years old. Um, he played in 80 games this past season. He had five goals, 28 assists, um, which was a total of 33 points uh, for the season. He was negative three on the plus and minus and had 68 penalty minutes. I mean, I, and what's funny about that is he is one of our best penalty killers. And yeah. so thinking about him, I mean, he, now that you say that, it's one of those things where at the time I didn't really think about him taking a ton of penalties. But like, as I reflect, there were plenty of times in games where I was like, can he stop? <laughs> can he stop taking penalties? Well, and because, and this is, you know, kind of on his fault, but like not really. His penalties, especially towards the end of the season, just started coming at like the worst possible times. Like when we really didn't need to go on the kill because we like were so close and we were screwing our chances for things like, I mean, not obviously not to go to the playoffs, but like just screwing our chances to win the game. Like, and so he just, and he did. Oh my God. It felt like every game in the last 20 games, he had at least one penalty. Like, it just was like, come on, man. Like, get out of the box. Yeah, it was tough. And it wasn't even like, I don't know. It's not, he's not like a fighter per se. So, like, he, he didn't rack up minutes by taking harsh penalties. Like, he just, he just got minors. <laughs> like, he just kept getting minor penalties. Yeah, like he, I don't think he took a single major. So it's a lot of, uh, but it's okay. He still had his career best season this year. So applause all around for that. Um, yeah, I mean, and it I, was, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I think, I mean, personally, I think he really stepped up in a way that we needed him to this season. Like, you know, yes, Seth Jones leaving really affected Zach, but it has had a domino effect, like in the rest, like everyone who falls behind Zach, like, so you had to find people who were ready to step up. And we just have so many new faces, like in the defensive, like side of things so he really like stepped up and like, I think really helped Zach like pull, you know, those six guys together in whatever combination they were in. Um, and especially when Zach was out because Zach suffered a number of injuries this mostly season, yeah, mostly to his face. Um, he filled in in that veteran presence and like really, you know, sort of, guided them whenever Zach needed to be out. And he also is like the first, if not one of the only people that will go after someone if 
a, a blue jacket gets hurt yeah. or unfairly like he is like the ultimate even though he's not very old he is like the big brother on the team that will fight for you and i just really love that about him yeah me too and i will say Vladislav Gavrikov gets the crown for most penalty minutes as a Blue Jacket this year. Uh, 68 <laughs> is first. I think second was Sean Crowley and third was Andrew Peak. So those make sense to me too because those two tend to <laughs> scrap it up a little bit more. But I think the thing about, uh, about Vlad and uh, spoiler alert, at least from me, I didn't listen to our episode about the projections again. So all of these are just going to be a, here it is. And that's a good time. But he, like you said, is a career best in everything. I mean, like the second highest scoring blue jacket this season. So let's listen to what we said. And then I'm going to follow it up with my last point is Vlaslav Gavrikov. Uh, he's 2-6-18 in his first 41 games this season. Uh, that would be good for 1-15-16. And I'm going to start this one lower, by the lower. I can't believe he has 18 points. And that's not a diss on him in his play. Like It's just not like what his role is. It's just not really you know, what, what you come to expect. I mean, six, 16 assists is good for – it's tied for third on the team. Yeah. Like, it's just like, I can't, I don't see that. Um, continuing, I mean, it's, it's Jake Voracek, it's Oliver Bjorkstrand tied, or no, excuse me, Jake Voracek, Zach Ramsky, and then uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand and Vlaslav Gavrikov tied at 16. It's lower. I, it just is. <laughs> I'm also going to go with lower, which is sad to say it's because uh, Gabby's on my fantasy team, but um, okay. what? I said, oh, shit, I didn't know that. Oh, I picked him. I got rid of um, another defenseman. I got rid of Arlov. Um, but, you know, because we, we've mentioned it before that Gabby has just sort of, like, quietly been getting, like, these assists and things, like, over the course of, of games. But that's, like you said, it's not, not really his role on the team. His role is really to be sort of this, like, middle of the road middle of the road enforcer like take the big hits block the big shots protect elvis at all costs like he is really the like knight like the number one knight in the the army that is defending our goaltenders so um that's that's his role so yeah i'm also gonna go lower all right so the thing about this season for Vladislav Gavrikov is he he did something that the Blue Jackets, I don't know if they like prescribed it to him. Does that make sense? I don't think that the Blue Jackets ever have really thought of Vladislav Gavrikov as a defenseman who is also going to create a lot of offense for them. And I think that that's okay, right? Like you don't need six offensive defensemen. Like if you do, you're actually probably going to run into some issues like maybe giving up the most goals you've given up in franchise history. Oh, wait. But that being said, 33 points for the guy, that's – if you told me that that's where his career best ended up being, like I would not be surprised and I wouldn't be disappointed. Like there's like no like expectation for me for him to always be the Blue Jackets' second highest scoring defenseman. With his 33 points, is 15 behind Zach Wierenski's on the season, of course. But he 
really excelled offensively this season. I mean, he was in the 90th percentile of offense created like when he was on the ice and that says something his defensive stats actually down a little bit this year from last year technically but he wasn't a liability when he was on the ice it never felt that way and I thought he was a really integral part of this team this year yeah I completely agree I mean 28 assists is nothing to like scratch scratch your nose at I don't know what that saying is but like is nothing to scoff at um I mean that that's 28 like 28 goals that he assisted on like and you know again we did you know get scored on the most this season but we also scored the most goals in franchise history this season and he was a big part of that so and you know what I said he sure was Yes. And, you know, even for even getting five goals of his own, I know they mostly came towards the end of the season, but, you know, for a not for someone who's not really considered an offensive defenseman, like five goals is good. Like, yeah. that's a really good I mean, David Savard went how long without scoring a goal? Basically, like, yeah, basically however long it took for us to play Tampa again. Yeah. So um, so yeah, so for a, a person who's not an offensive defenseman, I was really happy with um Gavrikov's season. Definitely. A player that we uh oh, no, we're not. We're gonna t- talk about grades. We're gonna talk about grades for Vladislav Gavrikov. And I'll go first. I want to give him an A minus. Like I think kind of talking about how we talk about averages, C being kind of what I expected. I think he really exceeded my expectations. He became a really pivotal part of this team. And I am excited to see what the future has in store for Vladislav Gavrikov. Also the most badass name in hockey. You can't tell me otherwise. Very much so. Um, and I am also going to give him an A minus. Cause like I said, um, it was just, it was a really consistent season for him um even through all the ups and downs and he has such a great i think when you're on a team you want someone like gavrikov because he has such a great attitude like he enjoys coming to the rink every day he knows what the overall goal is every time he comes out on the ice and he doesn't seem to like take things home with him which is a really good quality to have because he leaves whatever happened at the game at the rink can go home and be this awesome dad and husband. And then the next day when he has to go to work, then he's at work and he's hundred percent focused um, on that. And I just think that that's, those are some really good qualities to have um, in a player and in a, you know, second tier leader on the team. Absolutely agree. And uh, here's my projection. This is, we have no intel. Uh, This is, he's going into his last year of his contract in 22, 23, and then he'll be a UFA after that. So I bet you that a contract extension for Vladislav Gavrikov is at the, toward the top of the list for Yarmo Kekalainen in this offseason. And it's something that we're not really talking a lot about as Blue Jackets fans. So I think that that one's going to be similar to like last year when Oliver signed. And I was just like, oh, thank God. Like, I feel like that will be kind of what, could happen with with uh, Gavrikov this offseason so don't hold me to it have no intel but that sounds like it would be a good time so speaking of things that are a good time 
this is actually a bad time. Uh, Dean Kukin is no longer going to be a Blue Jacket, so Laura and I have decided that we're not going to recap his season um, because we know where our allegiances lie. No, not really. It was probably not going to work out anymore after the season. We're big Kooks fans. We're wishing him the best in Europe, but uh, we're going to breeze on by him. He was useful this season. Great. <laughs> Moving on to our next player, Laura. Who is next on the roster? Next is number 50, Eric Robinson. He is 27 years old. He played in 67 games this season, had 10 goals, 17 assists, which equated to 27 points on the season. He was negative one on the plus and minus and had 18 penalty minutes. My favorite thing about your notes is I don't know how old most of these players are, like, by heart. So hearing their age is always kind of surprising to me. And the fact that Eric Robinson is 27 years old is shocking to me. Correct, because I also have in my notes about Eric that, first, well, first of all, it was technically his career best season for the Blue Jackets, right. but <laughs> I found it so hard to believe, even though it's correct, that he has spent five seasons as a Blue Jacket. Like, that yeah, seems crazy. I want to say his first season, was it the year? I, I know he started, his first game was against the Predators because it was shot. Like, we were all like, wait, what the fuck did we do? We signed somebody because he signed as an unrestricted free agent out of college, out of Princeton, I think. And I think it was after Ohio State beat Princeton, which is ironic. But yes. yeah, was it, was it 18, 19 or 17, 18? Um, hold on. I didn't write down the year. Hold on. I've got, actually have his stats pulled up here. He started his first year. It's 17, was, yeah. And he played in one game in the regular season. And that was the game against Nashville. And I don't know if he played at all during the, the playoffs that year against Washington. He didn't, he didn't play at all. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just wild. He has been a part of this team for five years and, you know, this season, obviously, the season that he played his most games. He played 67 games for the Jackets this year, had an injury uh, in the middle of the season. But I think the the biggest piece of this is, like, I, I think we all saw this year as a potential, like, stepping stone for Robbie. And I think – I feel like as the season ended, my, like, feelings about Robbie were really critical – and I still think that, like, I'm in my in a place where when I think about this log jam that we have in our bottom six, like, there are players that I'm okay with losing, and I would probably keep him, like, on the list of players that I'm okay with losing. But, I mean, 27 points is serviceable. Like, you can't have a team full of point-per-game players. Like, that's not possible. And if, if it is, like, tell me your secrets. But it just – a pretty okay season for Eric Robinson in terms of being serviceable. I just really personally wanted him to take a step this year. Like I really saw him taking a really big step and I think he took a step, but it just wasn't as big as I thought. And I think it goes back to something that I've talked about in previous episodes where I'm like, he's left me wondering, are there other people who can be in this role? And there, I hope the answer is no. Cause I like Robbie, but we shall see. Time will tell. Yeah, I think um, the he has technically progressed <laughs> through the seasons that he's been with the team. 
Um, but I just don't think that they've been steps that are as big as we had hoped. And, you know, and I don't know that because I they, you know, they made a big statement last summer when they decided to save him from the expansion draft in Seattle and, you know, basically like told the world they were choosing him over Max Domi. Like, and I don't know that he showed enough to like warrant the fact that they saved him. Um, so, but I, I don't know who knows what Yarmo will think. And I think for players like Robbie, like it's always hard. Like, I can't remember if he was injured, like during the our recording and stuff, but when you have injuries as a part of it, like it's always so hard to project what things are going to be <laughs> like where things are going to look. Uh, the one thing that we don't have to project is he's still got another two years on his contract. He's got through 2024, uh, 1.6 million, which is not bad. I won't be upset about it if he sticks around through that, but I'm going to, this might be my harshest grade so far, because again, talking about C being average, C being expectation. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to give him a, I don't want to go into the D category. Like I'm going to give him a C minus. Like I think it was just slightly below what I expected from him this year. This one's hard because like I, like I just said, and I, I am consistently critical with Robbie because I just have like, yes, his, he has some grand and glorious moments, like, but there's just such, it's a more consistent inconsistency. And, you know, I do joke that he doesn't know how to stop, but like, there's evidence. Like, and it's just like, like I said, um, you know, I'm just not sure that he's rising to the expectation that has, is expected of him. And especially in the front office staff taking such big, like, risks and banking so many things on him so i am also going to give him a c minus because i don't want to give him a d i kind of want to give him a d but i won't so that's fair we'll see we do have him for two more years we'll see if if that changes um but yeah let's hope maybe the big step is coming maybe the big step will be this season some would say we will see minus. Some might say that. Some some might say that. So a player that I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about because I think we both have sufficiently kind of given our feedback <laughs> on this player. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let the good people – hold on. Let's give the good people a second to guess who we might be talking about. In your car, in wherever you are, who do you think we're talking about? Also, don't use the fact that we're going in chronological order and that you know the next blue jacket is not number 50, but it's number, or not number 51, but it's number 52. And don't do that gymnastics in your brain. Just like think and guess. Who is it? Good job. <laughs> if you said Emil Bemstrom, you are correct. Congratulations. You remember that one time he got a hat trick at the end of uh, the 1920, or no, the 2021 season? The 21 season, I guess it was just one season. And everybody was like, it's happening. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then what happened, Laura? 
Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Oh, um, so yes, yeah, so our, our next player is number 52, Emil Bemstrom. He is 23 years old. Um, he played 41 games this past season, uh, which equated to six goals, five assists, and 11 points. He was negative one on the plus and minus and only had four penalty minutes. Um, and literally, I started my notes with, oh, what are we going to do about Bemmer? Like, it's just, I mean, part of, part of this is not, I think we said it when we talked about him before, but like part of it's not necessarily like his fault. He got injured before the season started and was out for like the first six weeks of the season. And then by the time he was ready to come back, the Blue Jackets were in the midst of their like really hot spot in the first half of the season. We had like a lot of gelling going on. The only thing that was taking people out of the lineup was COVID at that point. And we were just in a rhythm. So he had the hardest time finding his way back into the lineup. And by the time that he did, we were well into the season and he just struggled the entire time. So he really did. It was really rough. I, he's a player that I'm surprised hasn't already signed in Europe. Like he is a player that I am a little bit shocked is still potentially going to be playing in North America and hasn't already like pushed those chips to the middle of the table all in on himself. And like, cause honestly I think it's what he needs. Like I think he needs to go play in the place where he's found success before kind of remember what that's like. Cause I think it all comes down to like, I think it's a confidence thing. Like he's got the skill, like he's really talented. He's shown glimpses of how talented he can be. I really think it's the confidence, but who am I to say? I'm I'm not a sports psychologist. I'm not, I don't talk to Emil Bemstrom on a regular basis. I put him in a similar category as where I felt Kevin Stenlin was a couple of years ago, where it was like, ah, like we keep thinking that maybe like this guy is going to find a way. And I mean, that's another player who's an RFA going into this offseason who's probably not going to get another contract if I had to guess. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, and so, right. <laughs> so, anyone curious, I made a grimace at Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, you did. You absolutely did. Uh, and if it is, it's going to be like a Cleveland deal. Like, it's going to be like a two way deal. Like, we're going to play in Cleveland. And maybe Bemmer would, like, if he is open to it, like, I would love to see him play half the season or a whole season in Cleveland. Like, even when he was sent down to Cleveland this year, it was really inconsistent, like, when he was playing in Cleveland. So I would love that. I think it'd be great for his development because, folks, here were the projections that we had going into the second half of the season, and we'll catch you on the other side. Emil Bemstrom has two goals, two point, or two assists, and four points total here at the start of the season. So based on those numbers in 13 games, looking at 6, 6, and 12, for the remaining 39 that the Jackets are scheduled to play, do you think that Emil Bemstrom is going to be higher or lower than 6'6 six, six, and 12? So 12. Um, I, you know, I think I'm going to take a little bit of your confidence that you had 
in him last week um, and say that he will be higher. He is going to miss probably a couple games this week because of COVID. But I think as long as he stays healthy injury-wise um, and he keeps getting the opportunity, I think he might I think he might get higher than that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm in the same place. You referenced it, my my hype on him. And, and honestly, at this point, it's also, you know, 6-6-12. Six, six and 12. If the Jackets want to have any sort of, like, good <laughs> good results, he's going to need it to be because he's going to probably end up getting bigger minutes unless he gets dealt away at the deadline. Obviously, there are probably going to be some forward spots available. And if also injuries remain to be a thing, he'll get more time on ice. So we were really hesitant to give anything lower than a C minus with our last player with <laughs> Eric Robinson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with like a solid D like I'm going to go like a solid D and I'm going to stop saying it that way, but I, like and I want to go lower, kind of. Like I kind of like think that it. Like, I think that that letter grade might not be doing justice how I actually feel. Yeah, I have to agree. Like it just, like I feel bad for him. Obviously, because I'm the emotional one. Like I feel bad for him, but and I know it doesn't necessarily show in the plus and minus, but like there were quite a few games where. <laughs> Bemmer was like a liability for us. Like he had some huge turnovers. Like it just, it wasn't good. And it, and again, we could rattle the same excuses over and over again. It just wasn't good. Like, and so, yeah, I'm also gonna have to give him a D What's crazy is, <laughs> like, as I look at, like, his um, his analytics, like, he, like, struggles offensively. Like, that is, like, clear. He's in the 92nd percentile defensively. Like, he apparently plays defensively sound hockey, and I don't know where I see it. Uh, this is one of those moments where I find myself maybe questioning how analytics works and maybe, <laughs> like, not feeling overly committed to, to the bit. But... Like, yeah, is there he, someone yeah. else named Bemstrom in the NHL and they're just like mixing yeah, no, no. the two of I them wish. up? I wish, but what I will tell you is he his competition is like, which I don't actually know how you track this, and I'm sure that there is a way that they do, like is 17%. Like it's in the 17th percentile. And that to me like says a lot about how I'm feeling about him. And I think it kind of like points to the Kevin Stenland piece that we talked about and how we've talked about Kevin Stenland never getting a chance to do his do what he needed to do. And that was because I just didn't feel like he wanted it bad enough. So yeah, let's move on to another. We've talked when we set up these episodes, we were like, our last episode is going to be fucking lit. Like our last episode is going to be so good. And this one's really not like this one's <laughs> tough. This is a tough fucking episode because next up we have. Yes. So <laughs> next, next up we have. Number 53, Gabriel Carlson. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> he is 25 years old. He played 38 games 
this season, which equated to two goals, seven assists, uh, nine points total. He was plus six on the plus and minus, um, and he had 10 penalty minutes. Yeah. Um, um, what grade do you have? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. So I, I liked, I wanted some, some of my first sentences for these players are like really good. And so, um, I have his career best season, but after six seasons, has he lived up to our expectations? <laughs> Man. Yeah. That's tough. Six seasons. Yeah. Six years. As, as everybody knows and might remember drafted the same year as Zach Wierenski, the Jackets trade up to get that pick. I want to hurt myself and look to see, like, I think it was picks that they traded. So I kind of want to see, like, who did. I want to say Pittsburgh. I could be on something. I think we traded for Pittsburgh's first-round draft pick. This was before I was. I actually, this is my favorite draft story because I'm pretty sure that, I think that this was the draft party that me and Kelly went to where when they picked one of the players, they played the Jurassic Park theme song. <laughs> and it was just confusing. Like, it was just, like, a really confusing moment for everybody. <laughs> like, not confusing. It's like, da-da-da-da-da. And we were, like, as he's, like, walking out to the stage. It actually might have been, I don't who would have, was that the Matthew or is that the McDavid draft? So it wasn't McDavid and it wasn't Eichel. No, that wasn't even the McDavid draft. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, it was weird and I didn't love it. All right. So what grade are you giving Gabriel Carlson? It's hard for me not to do it as like a cumulative grade. Cause like if we were just talking about like his season versus like his cumulative GPA, like his cumulative GPA for me is like a 1.0. Like it's like not good at all. Yeah, I mean, because, like, technically, like I said, this was his career best season. Oh, God. Because cumulative, you're like, Jesus Christ. Um, you are. Oh, you are like Jesus Christ. You are. <laughs> or as my tough. mom would say, as my mom would say after I say that, our Lord and Savior. Um yeah. But oh god. I don't know. He like did the he did the role that he was supposed to. Like technically, like we need when we needed him, he was there. And he's not really he's never been a super offensive defenseman. And defensemen don't score a lot. So I'm going to go with a C because he did what we asked of him. Well, and you know what? That's what's funny is I kind of felt similarly because I had no expectations for him this season. Like, I've actually kind of written him off because, right, like, I'm just not inspired. And I have to say like a C like I have to say like it was just like uh, like it's what I expected like he, he filled in like he played games he was fine uh to follow up though on my previous question about who we traded with it was uh actually Toronto it was uh Toronto and in order to get that pick we traded the 20 we traded a second and a third round pick in that draft um which resulted in Travis Dermott 
and quite honestly, a player whose name I will absolutely butcher because it is not one that I, I think I've ever seen before. So uh, I think that that part ended up fine. But Travis Dermott is, like, serviceable. I would say he's played a lot more NHL games than Gabriel Carlson, but I could be wrong about that. I'll have to look that up as we're going on to our next player. But, yeah, not our best moment. <laughs> uh, Martin's Zirkals. Sure. Is who was picked. It actually looks like Toronto traded that pick to Philadelphia. <laughs> so I love a multi team circumstance. We do, we do. Um so Laura. Are you gonna I'll give him a grade? I did. What? Yeah, C. I did a C. Oh, I gave him a C. Did I just like black out and I not- also gave him a C. Oh, okay. Sorry. I I I, I love did. episodes okay, where we can still be friends. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Cruise control, just go on. <laughs> All right. So let's move on then to our next player while I look up Travis Dermott's NHL stats and piss myself off. Okay. Um our next player is number fifty-five, Carson Meyer. Um, he is 24 years old. He played 13 games, uh, which resulted in one goal, two assists. So three points overall. He broke even on the plus and minus and had six penalty minutes. So we know he didn't play a ton of games. We also did not talk about him, um, when we did the mid season review, um, cause he actually didn't make his entrance onto the NHL until after we did um, that episode. But I think it's notable to talk about Carson because he is another Ohio-born player making his Blue Jackets debut in the NHL. Um, He did play the majority of the season in Cleveland. And, um, you know, I think he he tried his best in the opportunities that we gave him um, in basically, like, kind of knowing that when he came up to the team that we were already at the point where like, we're not going to the playoffs. All we're trying to do right now is like fuck around and find out with other people's seasons and like make them work for their spots in the playoffs. Like, um, and we did succeed in that on occasion, but uh, so I just, you know, thought it was notable to, to mention him and like, kind of talk about where we might see his potential at. Like, do we think he's going to be this sort of fringe guy that goes back and forth between the AHL and NHL? Do we think eventually like, you know, maybe one more major year in Cleveland and then he like finds himself a place. Like, how are you feeling about Carson Meyer? He to me gives me the vibe of a player who will, pretty much be a career AHLer. Like, I don't see him having a really, like, he, like, and I could be wrong. Like, and I'm actually very into being wrong about this, but at least with the jackets, it goes to that conversation about, like, the log jam that exists in, like, serviceable, but, like, fringe forwards like that is kind of where I see him right now and he could develop into something much bigger than that and I hope he does I'm rooting for him hardcore but I think he's going to be a really important piece in Cleveland at least for the time being 
And until then, like, we'll just kind of continue to get excited whenever we get a chance to see him in Columbus. I think he needs to play all year in Cleveland. Like, I think that he needs to be in Cleveland. I think he needs that experience. And we'll see. I mean, like, I think Cleveland needs to be more competitive this year for obvious reasons, if nothing else, to get some of the younger guys on this team the chance to, like, experience the playoffs if the Jackets don't make it this year or this next year. So, yeah, I I am a big fan of his. I want to see him succeed. I just don't know if I see him evolving into anything, like, crazy. Yes. How do you feel? I think I would agree with that. I mean, obviously, I'd like to see him, like, maybe – be kind of the first or like one of the top choice options for coming up. Like when we do need someone, I think he does fill in well. Um, Obviously that's going to be again with this, like you described it, like the log jam situation. Cause we're, we're also going to have that in the people in Cleveland. Cause we're going to have a, a lot of like fringe people who like are capable and then sort of deciding like, what's more beneficial at the time. Like, do you leave a certain ones in Cleveland because Cleveland really needs them and we could deal with like a second level choice, like, you know, and I glad I don't have to play that chessboard because it seems exhilarating, but also exhausting all at the same time. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, we could be wrong and he could be, the next Sidney Crosby, um, or <laughs> nah. <laughs> no, I'm hearing you on the hyperbole, but no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he'll he'll probably end up being like a really solid AHL player who gets hopefully some NHL time here or there. But hey, AHL needs really good players too, and like, and they still make more money than I do in the AHL. Let me tell you, yes. That. And, like, I think, you know, their games are just as exciting. And, you know, hopefully, you know, because the Monsters deserve, you know, a huge amount of love, too. So, but can we agree to give him, like, a incomplete? Yeah, shaking on it again, as you all know, we did last week. But... I, before we move on to the next player, in case anyone's curious about the research that I just did, um, Travis Dermott, 268 NHL games. Wow. Gabriel Carlson, 75. So, (laughs) not great. Uh, Laura, talking about the draft, talking about all the things crazy about the draft, if I'm doing my math right, we're talking about a guy next who shocked the world, or I guess Yarmulkekalaya shocked the world when he picked him at the draft. 21st overall, and that is none other than Igor Chinnikov. Let's talk about the rookie. Yes, so number 59, Igor Chinnikov is just a baby. He's 21 years old. Um, He played 62 games this season, had seven goals, seven assists for 14 points overall. He had negative 27 on the plus and minus and 16 penalty minutes. So this is another one where I think my first sentence is like, good. Yeah, and go I ahead. Said, uh, our budding golden boy. Our budding golden boy. Yes. Because I just, I know 
this transition was rough. This was a rough situation for him because he did so well over in Russia. And like, there was a lot of like high expectations for his first season. But I think the transition to North America, the transition to NHL level hockey, the language barrier, and the like COVID still very much so being a part of this. Like he just didn't find his rhythm as quickly as I think people wanted him to. Like, yes, he definitely had some like, very bright and shiny moments like that were really big for the team over the course of the season. And he definitely progressed over the course of the season, but I think it's just going to mean that he is much more prepared and ready to go um, in the fall when he comes back. Like, I feel like this was a big motivator for him And I feel like now that he's seen a whole season and experienced a lot of things in that season, he's going to be ready and raring to go when he comes back for camp. Yeah, I hope so too. I, I did just share it for us to see in our, in our window, but obviously for the folks who are listening, they didn't see it, man, like his, like it's bad. Like his analytics do not do him any favors. He is in the third percentile <laughs> in offense, fourth percentile in defense, eighth percentile in the power play. It just it's not good. And I think a lot of that has everything to do with what you said. I'm not going to read into that and think that that is a sign for what's to come for him. Obviously, his shot's incredible. He's going to take this offseason to adjust more so to North American ice, heal from whatever it was ailing him at the end of the season. And he's going to be ready to go. He's going to be ready to go. Uh, I will say I do remember that I forgot about him when we did our projections in the in the winter. And so I won't forget about the projections now. Here they are. Igor Chinnikov. Igor Chinnikov, uh, you know, he put up five goals, three assists, and eight points in his first 39 game. Or no, excuse me. He played 34 games. He was in 34 games to start the season. So uh, in 39 games, uh, that's good for six, three, and nine. Uh, so is that number going to be higher or lower? I think it's going to be, he's one of my one. I mean, as much as I'm a champion for him, I do think it's going to be lower. Um, Cause he has struggled. Um, I mean, they've, they've really been good about helping him and like mentoring him and letting him work it out. Um, he has had a few since where he's been, quote unquote benched or put on the taxi squad. Um, but I think for him, those are more, more so opportunities for him to watch games for him to watch from above and like really get more of a feel for what, you know, is happening on the whole of the ice. Um, especially after those few games that he kept having goals o- overturned due to being offsides. Um, yeah, he should really have what five goals. each nine, yeah. <laughs> nine, eight or nine. <laughs> like it's just crazy. Um, so yeah, I think that, and especially like you said, if we do start to take sort of a, an emotional dip, um, that he may struggle in that area too. 
So I'm going to say lower for Tanae. I'm going higher. I really think he'll. I really think he'll surpass six three and nine. I think he's going to be put in a lot more situations to score. In in theory, at least I hope. Uh, you know, again with any potential changes coming, so I'm, I'm going higher on Tanae. I am holding out hope that he will. Again, I'm not talking. You know. I'm not saying he's going to average a point a game, but I, I do think that he could go higher. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. What a season for the kid. I, it's going to be better next year, right? Yeah. I, I definitely think it's going to be better. Like, I don't think, like, I do not think that we should take this rookie season as like a red flag. Like I think every single obstacle that I listed uh when we started talking about him is absolutely justified. Um, and I, I do think that he will be much more prepared and ready to go um, when he comes back. And I think like, honestly, I really think his friendship with Cole is going to do him a lot of good as well. Um, they have a great like camaraderie, like, He's first of all going to know a lot more English by the time he comes back like this fall and like even more so like they're going to be more attuned to how to best communicate with him and like how to make sure that he's getting like the full explanation of what they want him to do Um, because they've had they've had this whole last season to like figure out those things because, it, I mean, I think we talked about it before, like, how not, and I think scary might be the, the best word because he is very young, but, like, how scary it must be to be 20, 21 years old, come over to a country that he may have never been to before. Um, it's actually more likely that he's never been here. Um, he de- He didn't speak the language. He didn't know anyone. Like, and to then be thrust into this situation where, like, there's really high expectations from you and you're experiencing this game that you've played your whole life, but in a very different way. Because as we've said before, European hockey is different than um, North American hockey. Like, so, um, so yeah, I do not think it should be a a red flag at all. Um, I just think we're going to see... Um, a much brighter star shine from Chinny in the in his second season. Yeah, I totally agree. And I I think when I think about grades for him, like I think it goes to the conversation that we have every time we do a grade, and that's like, what was my expectation going into the season? I obviously didn't expect for him to be like the world's biggest game breaker. I will say I think he probably performed a little bit under my expectations, to be honest. Like, I I just wanted a little bit more from him. There are moments in the season where I would tell you that he was exceeding my expectations, though. And that's the part that makes this tricky. I'll grade on a curve, and I'll say a C plus. I'm going to give him a B minus. Okay. Your curve was – your class performed worse than mine. Yes. That's okay. It happens. But good things in the future for Chinny, without a doubt. Laura, we've we've only got one more of these left to do. I know. That's crazy. And, you know, after that last one, we're going to be getting into, like, some 
fun things because it'll be draft week and, you know, a lot of like free agency will be coming and, you know, lots of just excited. We're getting there. We're getting to like the exciting part of the off season because everyone will be in an off season by that point. The Stanley Cup will have been drank from and we'll be strictly focusing on the season to come. Definitely. And I, as we get closer to that, like I resonate a lot with former guest of the show, Dylan Tire. I love playing armchair GM. Laura knows this about me. It is my favorite time of the year. It is her least favorite time of the year. If that doesn't speak to the duality of us as a show, I don't know what is able to do that. So I can't wait for the dissonance between us over the course of the next two months. They're all going to think we're fighting. They're all going to think that we're like, that the girls are fighting and that like we're on the the brink of a uh, breakup somewhat similar to that of, oh God, what was that one show that like the two hosts like had a huge falling out and like it was a Barstool show. Oh, I don't remember. I've never was into the Barstool shows. Call her daddy. It was call her daddy. Mm. Yeah, I I think it became it. I think it got bought by Spotify now. But like for a minute there, and the two hosts like had this huge falling out, like a really public falling out. Can I? Can we make a promise? Sure. If we ever have a falling out, can it be uh, public as fuck? Like, can it just be like out in front of everybody? Um, it'll be really great for us, and then we'll do a comeback as subjectively speaking, be like, "Oh my god, we made up." Little do they know that we actually knew the entire time that we weren't actually fighting. There was no actual blow up, uh, and it was all part of a marketing scheme. And then we end up being really successful. If that's the scenario, then yes. It's the episode of iCarly where like Fred creates beef with the cast of iCarly in order to get everybody's views up. That'll be us. I only ever saw like four episodes of that show. I'm sad that one of them wasn't the crossover episode with Fred, but nevertheless, I still love you. <laughs> one was the one where One Direction was on there. Yeah, the Playwright Tees were also on there. Yes, that may have been one of the other three. So. You know, like in shows, you never know if like if you're not attuned to pop culture, like. There are fake bands on shows like that. And for a second, I was like, is this a fake band? Because I did not know who the Plain White Tees were when they were on. Like, maybe I did know some of their music, but, like, I wasn't clicking in my head who that was. Plain White Tees are much more a my generation band. But they were, like, yeah. the reason they were on iCarly then was because they had, all, like, like, Hey There Delilah was going crazy. And they have other songs? I don't know. They do. They do actually have other songs. Yeah. That's interesting. I did not know that. But uh, nevertheless, we are not a music podcast. We are a hockey podcast. And you can always continue to get hockey content from us, even when we're not recording a show, even when you're not listening to us. And Laura, you know better than anybody where that content is. Yes. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. You can follow us on Facebook at Subjectively Speaking. If you want to learn more about us and how we started the podcast, you can check out our website, subjectivelyspeaking.com. Um, if you want to find out what this potential new merch idea is that Jeremy has, um, you can check out our I already, forgot. I already forgot that I told you that. Like, I'm so glad that I said that out loud. 
it's really good that I remember 99% of things when he doesn't. So, um, but you can check out the merch we currently have and help support your two favorite hockey podcasters by visiting subjectivelyspeaking.threadless.com. Lots of cool stuff there. Hopefully some new stuff coming soon. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you, you are listening to us on. Um, if you are on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. Again, we don't really know how the algorithm works, but we do know that um, any rating helps get us noticed in the hockey podcast charts and helps us to build this community that we are growing and other than that, we just love and appreciate you all so much. Every time you do the end of show wrap up, I always think to myself, it really is crazy that we don't record that every week because, or like have a recording for it. And I just put it in the post because you are like on a script. It's actually incredible. <laughs> I would love to like look at how many times you've like gotten all the words like exactly the same in shows. Cause I think it's uncanny. Like it's actually really impressive. <laughs> Thank you. You are so welcome. But I am never as impressive with my closing as you are. You kill it, and I just say whatever comes to my brain. <laughs> and right now what comes to my brain is hopefully by the time we talk next time, which will be next Tuesday, the Colorado Avalanche will be Stanley Cup champions, and we will be in the NHL postseason. If we record the next episode during a Game 7, well, I can't promise that we won't be – extra manic because I think we'll both stay up and watch the game before we record. So here's something that we don't have to do that. Here's something that we talked to you on Tuesday and a Stanley cup champion has been crowned and they wear burgundy and blue. Correct. Fingers crossed until next time, friends, take care of yourselves, take care of one another. And we will talk soon. Bye.